A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today in history in 1847, Henry David Thoreau leaves Walden Pond and moves back into town to Concord, Massachusetts, thus ending the great and failed experiment. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I'm your cantankerous cattle rustler, Zachary, and sometimes you're lucky enough to get a whole ass war named after you. My name is Megan, and I don't know if you could tell by my uh, Today in History, I don't like our good pal, uh, Henry David. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that the man who created the garden gnome did so with the intention of luring actual gnomes to his garden for tea. Oh. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of wholesome, right? First off, a legend. I don't know what you have against Thoreau, Megan. Second, I don't like him. Okay, I can't say anything. I fucking, if I could go back in time and punch one person in the face, <laughs> it, it would probably be fucking Nathaniel Hawthorne. I so don't, I don't I have can't... a dog in this fight. <laughs> well, like, okay, so I think my reason, and we'll get back to the gnome man in a moment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, because he's we'll important He's super important, but the reason that I don't like Throw is because not not because I don't think what he had to say um, with with getting back to nature and living simply in order to be happy doesn't hold merit. Every single teacher beats Throw into the ground, and they're like, "Man, I would suck his dick if he were in front of me right here, right now." Those loons on Walden—they really whistle to me. Okay, so and I, what you're I saying hate is, that. English teachers are as horny for Walden as Republicans are for Reagan, and I understand your statement. No, now. well, like I'm also I'm I'm saying that, but also Throw didn't like live what he preached and i know like a lot of people don't but it's like very aggravating that he kind of half-assed it he was like i'm gonna go live out in the woods in a cabin but it will be on emerson's property and i will be going to his house for dinner (laughs) bail me out of jail auntie because i don't care about the war and will not pay my taxes I mean, congrats on the tax evasion. Always applaud. That. <laughs> congrats, but also like, but also, I don't yeah, know, that's dude. like you're like I'm gonna have a clean, healthy lifestyle, but also I am going to eat out at Taco Bell every night. <laughs> like, yeah, but also I'm gonna like absolutely destroy my intestines every single night. Baja blasting the walls. <laughs> Baja like, blast me. I absolutely oh, hate that. Fuck. So anyway, I really like the gnome man. Yeah. So the person who created the the garden gnome is a guy named Philip Griebel. He was uh, in Germany. And um, I guess he made them with the intention of, like, luring actual mystical fae beings 
to uh, like, come have tea with him. I like that he was like a a gracious host. Like yeah. let's let's have tea. Let's be nice. But also, what's the first rule of Faye? Like don't eat a meal don't with give them. Give them your name. Don't 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 interact with them. Just ignore oh. them. Oh, I would die. <laughs> Do your best. <laughs> well, that's like so. I was hiking this weekend. I was up in um, hiking Mount Sugarloaf with Liz and. We were, like, up on the peak, and all of a sudden we're like, do you hear eerie music? Because I hear eerie music. Yep, we're getting that's off just... the fucking mountain. Guy, frightening. Well, that's just standard. Frightening. Western Mass. <laughs> Western like... Mass is also famous for, like, alien encounters. Yeah. So... Yeah. So the aliens were trying to lure Zack and Liz in with... It's either it's either aliens or the Fae. Yeah, it was either aliens or the Fae. Who's oh, to say geez. that it's not both? What kind Porque of music no was those. playing? It was like ethereal, but Ooh, also yeah, like no, that's throaty. The Ooh, but also what? throaty. Yeah, are you sure that it wasn't just a group mm. of Hungarian throat singers? No, not oh, like yeah, it wasn't casually. like Hungarian throat singers. It was more like eerie, floaty, and chanty. And oh, I was like, floaty? I'm out of here. I yes. thought you were saying throaty. Hi. No, no, no! Like it was like coming throaty. from I, the throat. I I no, said throaty, yeah. but I was more like chanty. Ah, know? Gregorian chant. It's both. It's all. Could have been a cult. <laughs> Could have just been a cult. Could have been a the cult. No matter what, out. it definitely seemed like a bad idea to be there. And you're like, oh yeah, to get off the mountain. A thousand percent. But also, picture this: uh, if you're with the Fae, you also don't need to pay back your loans. I mean, you true. So. True. I was gonna say I, my I laughed at the irony of the situation when I we were like I was like all right time to get off the mountain. Later went to Barnes and Noble and was like, do I buy this book on the occult? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, you need to know what you're fighting against. Absolutely. My I was reading like a whole post on the internet a little while back that was just like times that people listened to their gut and were right. Yeah. Okay. This person was just like. Yeah, I was walking through the woods, started to get, like, a really bad feeling, decided to turn around and, you know, go back to where my car was parked and just drive off the mountain. Uh, heard reports a few days later of, like, five hikers just going missing in the same oh, section of the woods where oh, that's bad I had been hiking, yeah. and it's just yeah. like, and their bodies were never found. Oh, oh bad news bears. Bad news bears. That's what makes oh, me no. not want to hike. Um, I think like hiking alone and I guess like this will be the last thing before we get to really get into it like hiking alone is not is like taboo I don't care what people say about like wanting to get back into nature and being by yourself yeah um there's a buddy system I definitely think that I would be super unnerved if like if I didn't have someone to go with me hiking I, oh yeah, a thousand. Why are you in the woods alone? Because then nobody knows how I died, right? Like, yeah. At least if I bring a friend with me, I can be like, "You run, I'll stay." And then someone can be like, "Okay, he died in the woods fighting some unknown fae being that just came to life in front of us," as opposed to like me just going out into the woods and never returning. <laughs> never being spoken of again it's yeah. so fucking funny because i 
I, there's like part of me that's like, oh, I would love to do like the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. I'd love to do the Appalachian Trail, except for I'm like, ooh, um, I'm absolutely just going to skip the parts in Tennessee and West Virginia and Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. That's, that's a, a lot, big portion guy. of the yes. Appalachian Trail. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. That is a very large portion of the Appalachian Trail, but that's where all the spooky shit now. That is where all happens. the, that is <laughs> yeah, where all the Wendigos live. You're not supposed to talk oh, about that. I know, them that- and I <laughs> fucking do it every time. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, <laughs> that being said, I did see a very funny video the other day of people like walking on a trail and there's a bear following them. And the parents are, you know, obviously trying to be calm for their children. And yeah. the, you know, the wife is just like, yeah, he's not leaving, hun. He's not leaving. And he's just like, go home, bear. And go and home, like bear. all the comments that I saw on that video were people being like, or man go home bear bear i'm trying you're in my fucking way yeah like i'm in my living room (laughs) this is where i live bro you came into my house you came into my house all right listeners this is a reverse goldilocks situation we we have set our strikes back to zero we have played a game of rocky papered scissors and the order for tonight is zach followed by megan followed by me all right. Didn't need to be note. that sinister, but I did it. Yeah. Well, we. I think we've had a little bit of a sinister start to the show. We so, did. I mean, yeah. Definitely. Did. Talking about being threatened by the Fae. I am. I'm gonna keep that. I am a hundred percent sure that the cryptid that I've named thrice on this show is going to catch me one day. I mean, I'll, it's like the snail. Eventually, it gets. I you. will just be <laughs> out in the woods someday, and I'll just hear like, "Heard you been talking shit." <laughs> and then you'll never see me again all right i'm keeping the sinister energy for my story tonight hell yes so um i love me some wild west shenanigans so tonight let's let's fucking get into that yeah uh, on another edition of Heinous gentlemen of history. <laughs> so, it is a known fact that well-behaved people rarely make history, but today we are going to talk about someone who didn't exactly misbehave, but didn't do much behaving either. A nice middle-of-the-road fella by the name of Elias Whitcomb. That's a great name. Elias it is a great name. So good. That's honestly Whitcomb. like, Elias, first of all, is a really nice name. I know. I yeah. love Elias. But then Whitcomb is just like that's a that's a solid last name for a person whose first name is Elias. That's a solid name there. <laughs> that right there's a solid name. Solid name and I bet he had a solid handshake. <laughs> sure did. But uh, he was actually described by John Clay, a big time cattle baron and banker of the West, as quote, somehow amid the rougher side of life which you meet on the frontier. Whitcomb remained ever the innate gentleman. It's good to be a gentleman with a name like Elias Whitcomb. Yeah, but like more importantly, no one is picking Cattle Baron as a career anymore. No, yeah, no, there's... it's a real shame that you don't find any modern day Cattle Barons. 
I was about yeah, to say. I just feel like we're really missing out. Not sure that there's the, the same money in cattle as there were, but you know who knows? I'm not a cattle baron. <laughs> Me immediately on like collegeboard.com to find the major for cattle. Baron. Google how much Probably do cattle baron make? Agricultural sciences or something? Probably. Yeah, but I want like the I want the specific degree. I want my cattle baron degree. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I went to Cattle Baron University. Um, is it okay to be just a cattle duke as opposed to a cattle baron? <laughs> Can I well, be the king so of I cattle? Not not to get off track, but I do think dukes are higher than barons. So okay, well then I want to be a cattle powerful, duke. You would, you would literally be the most powerful of the cattle owners. My cattle liege. There are cattle. My cattle liege. Oh, man. Fuck. So the funny thing about Elias is that he was surrounded by some big names of the Wild West, which kind of makes him this weird, like, side character as far as the Wild West goes. He's not even the main character in his own story? He Well, he is the main character of his own story. Oh, okay. Uh, but he has, like, this weird adjacent character. Like, you know how when they have, like, the spinoff show? Yeah. That's that's Elias Whitcomb. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Elias Whitcomb is the spin-off character that like the spin-off show gets a couple so of So he's seasons. like he's a main character and then he gets his own gets yeah, his own little a, spin-off story. He's a side character that eventually gets his own spin-off. Wild. Um so the big start for Elias is in 1857 when he leaves his cozy life just outside of fucking Boston, Massachusetts. There we go. Your cousin from Boston. From Boston. From Boston. And he Yay. drives a team of oxen from Leavenworth, Kansas to the New Mexico territory. Uh, and allegedly before he does this cattle drive, he bet a couple of his friends that he would only need one pair of shoes and one pair of boots for this entire journey. And at one point, he ends up, you know, letting someone else borrow his boots, who then they steal the boots, and his shoes give out shortly after that. So he decides that it's better to walk a thousand miles barefoot the rest of the way than to lose a fucking bet. I'm confused. He gave someone his boots, and then the boots were stolen? Yeah, so, like, someone, like, lost a boot, and he was like, ah, I just borrowed my boots for a little while. And the guy did the uh, thing where, like, you borrow a pen and you don't return it. I got it. Except got with it. boots. Yeah, okay. But the, the main except point with is... Boots. <laughs> except there, with boots. It's, it's a similar... Similar, you know, similar conundrum, but with boots. boots. But the big thing is the fact that he was like, I will not lose a bet. I'm going to walk a thousand miles in the desert in my fucking bare feet if I have to. There you go. So yeah. he he's, you know... A little bit stubborn, but also kind of badass. In the springtime of 1861, Whitcomb ends up, he, at this point, is kind of settled, and he is running, like, general stores. Uh, and he moves a store that he started out to a station that is considered, well, a little seedier uh, as a part of the Overland Sugar Route. Uh, Overland Stage Route. Sorry, not Sugar Route. Um, I don't know. I like want there to be sugar routes now. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love a sugar route. I'd love a sugar route. Um, I'd like a sugar. Dad. It's like uh Well, I was gonna, say, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like a paper route, but with sugar. But there goes Megan. There goes Megan. <laughs> it's like a sugar daddy. But it's like I a sugar different. daddy, but with a whole route of them. It's a sugar daddy on the go. <laughs> 
Well, uh, so yeah, he ends up starting this. He moves his store to a seedier part of the Overland stage route. Um, and when he's there, he starts this friendship with Jack Slade, who is an infamous gunslinger. Mm. If you don't know... That's a solid um, name, too. His name was actually Alfred Slade, but um, he went by not Jack. As, not as good. And not as good. Alfred? What do you mean? Alfred Slade. Alfred Slade's so good. pretty good, but like Jack, Jack Slade better. is way better. Jack Slade's yes. way better. Jack I would Slade's prefer Jack of... Slade for a gunslinger name than Alfred all the time. See, I was going to say, Alfred Slade sounds kind of more realistic, whereas Jack Slade sounds like some like a fucking Tom Clancy character. He's a WWE character, for sure. <laughs> he is a WWE he's character. A, he's a WWE wrestler, for sure. What's up? Um, My name is Jack Slade. Jack Slade. Yo, what up? I might Isn't s- that Slade? Slade is the 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 villain in Teen Titans yeah. that yes. real hard on for Robin. Uh-huh, because he was Robin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, so Jack Slade, if you're not familiar with who Jack Slade is, he was a very famous gunslinger in the West. Uh, it was said that uh, while, I believe, by, it was said that while Bill Hickok rode with him for a little while, um, but he was actually credited for being not only instrumental to the expansion of the West, but the only reason that Confederate control stayed out of Overland during the Civil War, because everyone was just afraid of Jack Slade. Wow. So, pretty badass dude. As I said, Elias ends up kind of being the side character. <laughs> I mean, with a guy like Jack Slade, who wouldn't be the side who character? Who wouldn't be? Yeah. But their friendship is, it's an interesting story about their friendship when a misunderstanding between the two men and Jack's wife ends up actually causing Elias to have his house and all of his possessions burnt to the ground. Hell yeah. What do you do, Basically, sleep with his wife? No, uh. so Jack. <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> well, I'm Jack just thinking, Slade... why does your house get burned down? You slept with your best friend's wife. Not quite. Jack Slade was a man who liked his whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Who doesn't? Right, but like he got a little bit aggressive when he drank. Oh. And so Elias ran the general store. Yeah. So Slade's wife basically told Jack. Slade's gang to be like go you know give Elias the business so that way he can't buy whiskey anymore because Elias won't oh, be there oh okay and the gang burnt his house to the ground there you go the Gucci gang it's like is an, just like burn it's it. an absolute miscommunication it's like go burn down the general store and it's like this is where Elias lives Got time to burn it all yeah pretty much <laughs> um, Elias ends up losing roughly $100,000 in today's money's worth of shit. Ooh, dang. That's probably like great. five cents. It was like, like $4,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like... So, the, be- the best... a lot? The, the gentlemanly thing about this, though, is Elias never actually holds the loss against Jack, and... He ba- Jack's like, I'll just fire all the people from my gang, and Elias is like, no, it's not their fault. It's all good. Whatever. <laughs> we're just we're still going to be friends, and they end up still being friends. That's great. Oh, I just want you guys awesome. to know that if you ever, if your significant others ever said, "Give Matt's general store the business," and they burnt down my house instead, I would not be friends with you anymore. <laughs> 
You know what? That's fair. That's where he draws the line. That's a hard. That's where I draw. If you light my home on fire instead of the general store that I manage, I will not be friends with you. (laughs) The general. I just like in this scenario that you're just like an old. Yeah, no. I definitely own an old school. Have such an impressive mustache. Just a nice trading post. Yeah, just a trading post. Here in Nashua. And later on in Elias's life, there is some, we'll call it, iffy business with the Native Americans. But that was pretty common in the expansion of the West, and I'm most certainly not going to say it was a good thing. It was a mixed bag at best. Uh, however, it is kind of too much in, to cover and not important. Basically, he ended up having like some clashes with the Native American tribes in the area, but he also married a Native American woman and basically was like, you can either stay here and be my wife or you can go back to your tribe. Uh, Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever floats your goat. Yeah. As I said, a mixed bags, mixed bag at best, not enough information and not super relevant to Elias's full story. Yeah. Um. And also, I'm not here to excuse how all of the United States have treated Native Americans. And There's I'm no excuse for how the Americans treated Native Americans, let's be honest. Yeah, and I can go in and rehash the details of this very specific instance, or we can just chalk it up to the, you know, the white people in the United States have never known how to treat the indigenous people. Let's and... just say that white people <laughs> don't know how to treat people of color, and we can just move on from there. Yeah, pretty much. There's a select few of us that know how to treat people of color with respect and dignity and none of them have ever been in power yep (laughs) either way this is where elias's story actually starts to get a little bit more interesting and this is when the the spinoff show Oh, this is the spinoff show um by the time 1880 rolled around elias had made a fair amount of money and fame as a cattle baron himself there you go Uh, And this leads to a bunch of other cattlemen out in Wyoming hiring him as a sort of cow detective. Ooh. Wait. Wait. A minor in doodle discourse. (laughs) A minor in doodle discourse. A minor in doodle discourse. (laughs) But when I do say cow detective, um, I mean he would track down cattle rustlers and bring them to justice. Oh, there you go. And by justice, I mean putting a bullet in their heads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't the think it was lost justice. on any of us. I mean, his best friend is a gunslinger. This guy's like, yeah. works for him, it'll work for me. Pretty Listen, much. What I'm saying is that the police have never been able to do their job. <laughs> That's a strong take. But this man, Elias, decided, hey, I have money, so why don't I just become a vigilante? Um, he was the Wild and, West's Batman. I'm with not going to no give him moral that. compass. We're going to get to that. Because this rolls around to 1892, and at nearly 60 years old, Whitcomb ends up getting caught up in the Johnson County War, one of the oh. biggest and bloodiest range wars of the American West. I'm going to tell you a secret. Mm-hmm. I did not know that there were range wars between there before were. tonight. Wow. Hold on to your butts. I physically cannot. It is held. This is where I'm going to actually flip things on ahead because I called Mr. Whitcomb a heinous gentleman of history (sighs) earlier on in my story. Is he just a gentleman? And now I'm going to call him a piece of shit. Oh, no. Oh, my God. 
because so the turntables. History is normally written by people in power, but sometimes fuck the people in the power. Here's the fucking story. Awesome. Okay. Elias and several other men, which would later be known as the invaders, invaders, sorry, are hired by wealthy cattle barons to bring vigilante justice to alleged cattle rustlers. <sighs> However, the issue is that Wyoming at the time had most of its land as public domain, mm-hmm. and many people were raising were stock raising animals on open land. So you would just have several herds of several different farms using the same land because it was public domain. Yeah. All of it available for homesteading. Mm -hmm. And as smaller farms began coming and trying to get little bits of land to start their homesteads and getting water rights, big cattle companies were monopolizing large areas of the best land to prevent homesteaders from being able to settle. And in 1886, there is a horrible winter that kills a ton of cattle and basically ravages the land of Wyoming. And it thins all of these herds, which makes the big cattle companies start to ramp up accusations of cattle rustling. Along with that, there is the Maverick Act, which is passed in Wyoming, which states that any cattle that are unbranded automatically belong to the Cattlemen's Association. Wait, there's a Cattlemen's Association? Of course there's a Cattlemen's Association, Megan. So there's a Cattlemen's Association. I feel like I'm learning a lot about ranching in general today. We're learning so much. you are. Because on top of the issue with there being a Cattlemen's Association, there is also the Wyoming Stock Growers Association. Which is basically the state's wealthiest, most influential cattle barons using all of their money and all of their power to have political sway over the region. By the time the Johnson County War begins, it is more of a class war than it ever was about people stealing cattle. Mm -hmm. It is about the small men and women trying to homestead to get a slice of the fucking pie and wealthy cattle barons oppressing them. Oh, so it's kind of like nowadays housing barons it is absolutely the same fucking (laughs) it's like real estate barons that exist now exactly many of the lynchings that follow the accusations of the cattle rustling were later found out to be under false pretenses and basically just used to get people out of the way and to get land that these wealthy cattle barons wanted or to take their herds and Elias Whitcomb helped in the killing of between 15 and 38 people in order to protect a ruling class of shitty cattle barons. Dang, dude. That's a lot of people to kill. That is a lot of people to kill. And while Elias Whitcomb was considered a gentleman in his time, I fully deem that that is not the case. He might have been a patient man with an at least with unsavory men such as Jack Slade. But at the end of the day, he was just another rich fucking asshole who helped other rich fucking assholes run roughshod over the law and honest people just trying to make something out of the supposed American dream. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Damn, dude. You gotta change your... You gotta change the name of your series. Yeah. I don't need to change the name of my series. I just was doing research, and this is why research is important, folks. Knowledge is power. I started reading into it, and I was like, oh, everyone says he was just this gentleman, and all of a sudden he helped all these people, like, get their cattle back, and all, like, help get rid of cattle thieves. And I looked into it, and I was like, no. He just helped a ruling class with a monopoly over one specific product keep their monopoly over one specific product. And this whole time in American history is also absolutely fucked. Like, oh, yeah. the, the Johnson County War is insane because it ends up, like, having all of these political, uh, like, aftermaths because the president at the time, Harrison, ends up failing to prosecute any of the cattle barons. Wow. The invaders end up getting like bail and that's it i feel like saying failing um makes it seem like he tried (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay he didn't really try but like try it's bullshit because the president basically pardons everyone and it's like oh just kind of sweep this under the rug and it ends up actually having this weird shift in wyoming politics later on where the democratic party becomes like super popular for a while Mm. and now we're back to being bullshit but like you know what i mean like and and now here we are and now here we are but it's just it's so interesting because it was just the pinnacle of shitty monopoly and shitty people with money and power being shitty and how that ended up changing how we viewed politics at least until the shitty people got more power back and decided to write it to make it look like you know, they were the good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the whole monopoly and, like, trust thing uh, is really, Fucking wild. It's really interesting. I think we should do a story about that later oh, on. Oh, yeah. Because um, I was like, it was a meme, obviously, but it showed how most of the brands in the U.S. are just run by, like, five corporations. Oh, yeah. So it's the illusion of choice, but technically there still are monopolies on things. Like airlines are huge. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think we only have like four. Well, that's like even even in the U.S. That that and also just media consumption, like TV yeah. and movies. It's like it's Disney, Time Warner, and like one other fucking company. For and sure, that's it. Yeah. 
just, you know, three kobolds in a trench coat. Three kobolds in a trench coat <laughs> telling us all different things. Yeah, absolutely. Th- that's my story, though. I don't want to take up too much more time because I kind of went on, like, a little bit of a fucking rant. As Matt and Megan have known, I've been a little politically feral lately. We have. And I just felt well, like I mean, we have uh, bringing that. behind-the-scenes proof of this. Yeah, We do I, have behind-the-scenes proof. I wanted to bring a little bit of that to the podcast tonight. <laughs> Well, we should. He's just like actually I was ready to rumble. I didn't even want to. It just ended it just up happening happened. that the person that I looked into, it just was like, set me off. Let's go. Lego. All right, Megan. Uh, let's he, let's hop into okay. your shit. I'll jump. <laughs> I will jump into my story. Megan, bring um, the mood up, please. I I don't see. I feel like my story. <laughs> it, it's Immediately, like the negative. I don't know. Uh, I don't. Mm. It's like not negative and it's not positive. I don't know. That where shit's it my lies. favorite is when Zach fucking <laughs> asks the girl who, for the first like a month and a half of us recording this podcast, had nothing but downer stories to bring up the mood. I was about that's to say, true. I asked the wrong person and that's on me. Listen, I can't help you. Fucking I, get into it though. I'm, I'm fucking All ready. Right. All right, so my, the name of my story is Lillian Alling and the Long Way Home. Yay. Okay. Yay. It sounds like a children's book. I was going to say, is this um, like some weird adaptation almost like Fivehole Goes Home? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, I, all right. Yeah, except she's a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is not Fivehole Mousekovitz. Um, Can we just talk about anyway. how great that name was? Yeah, Fievel Mouskovitz. Mouskovitz? Like, I, who thinks of this that's shit? People, brilliant people. Uh, so, but we're not gonna. T- we can talk about Fievel and my love of that series later. For sure. Um, for sure. And we're gonna talk about Lillian tonight. Not as good of a name. I've had better. Uh, okay. So I want to start out by saying that humans are surprisingly good at walking. We are. Um, okay. Yes. We are. We're pretty good at MVPs walking upright. At it, yeah, we are pretty good. Um, being bipedal may be an absolute nightmare on our spines, but it makes us damn good at just slowly getting places using God's own taxi. Yeah, our, our feet, our feet, our footsies, if you will. Oh, um, <laughs> our little toes. Oh, uh, so I hate so feet, this... and I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> this is torture for Zach. <laughs> Uh. it's so i i use the word and i do this i started out doing this ironically i saying the word tootsies oh god oh god yeah so because like when i look at dogs who stretch and like their their paws stretch out i'm like oh stretch those tootsies yeah see i did it's toe beans but sure yeah but it was funny when i did it about okay dogs. fine it's weird that i do it about people now yes I'm like, oh, it is weird you <laughs> got cold cold tootsies yeah anyway. we're not we're not gonna condone anyway, this for you you don't have to all right it's my sin my cross <laughs> all right fair enough <laughs> so in the spirit of walking mm-hmm. i want to talk about a woman who tried to walk all the way home and by all the way home I mean, from the great state of New York to Eastern Europe. Jesus Christ. Okay. I thought you were going to say, like, yeah. to somewhere in Canada. 
No. I'm just very confused because, like, how the fuck do you walk over the ocean? She absolutely yeah, found a yeah. way, though, or Megan wouldn't us, wouldn't be telling us this story. Okay. Was, fair, she, fair. She, I'm going to shut she up She was listen. just fucking pacing on the ferry. <laughs> she gets a, she gets <laughs> a cruise goodness. ship and she's just fucking walking up and down the aisle. She's getting her steps yeah. in. <laughs> Literally never so, not getting steps by the sounds of it. Even marching in her fucking she, sleep. She has like a pedometer on and she's like, dude, I got to hit 10,000 every single day or, you know, God's going to come down and say, you're not doing it. Not only 10,000 uh, every day, but like 10,000 every 30 minutes. <laughs> every 30 minutes. I got to make this Every happen. hour on the hour. Got to get home. <laughs> got to get, get home. <laughs> Um, so like, like you all just brought up, uh, you, you know, getting, getting from New York to Eastern Europe does involve a lot of water yeah. in between. Um, it's a good amount of water. For so sure. it's a good amount of water. Seems like a lot. So like short of her becoming Christ-like, it seems impossible. Do you think Christ would have had a good time walking on the ocean? No, without without bumpy really it is. Well, I was just gonna say oh. it's awfully boring. Like what the well, fuck? Yeah, is that? No, definitely boring, boring. But like, also, it's not like a flat surface. I I'd like to believe uh, that the middle bit the middle is a bit. little less choppy, <laughs> a little bit less <laughs> choppy. Little... Yeah, I like. You know what? We can't be in all of the middle bit at the same time um, so we don't imagine this terrifying sequence just to put this in your heads you're like out on a cruise and all of a sudden you come across like a bit of water that literally has zero waves at all oh it's that's bad that's that's bad. like yeah, no, that's mm-mm, like mm-mm. you just for miles and miles you can see nothing but flat glass water would that like not that. be like that. a terrifying sight yep that's that's like Thank you for the amount of existential dread you have given me. I imagine that that it would be much more terrifying if you were, like, ye olde pirate and needed the wind to go, but, like... Well, that's, like, the doldrums, right? Yeah. They didn't, you know, there's that part in the Atlantic where just, like, there is no crosswind. I can't get... You just get stuck there. Crosswinds! All right. Anyway. Please continue. So, it seems impossible, like I said, to walk on water... Um, seems impossible but, uh, means that she's about to impossible. detail how we all as mere mortals can become yeah oh, Lillian Allen Allen just like transcended uh so I'm going to explain to you both the reality and the theory of Lillian's journey Lillian's big adventure uh so so the year was is 1926 Okay. And Lillian had been working in New York trying to save up passage to Russia, which I assume at the time was like a lot of money, maybe three dollars. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> three dollars <laughs> and many rubles. <laughs> many rubles. Which amounted to three dollars, but was like ten thousand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So regardless of how much this ticket was, Lillian could not afford to get on a steamer ship. So she chose the next logical option. Walking on which water. Was walking on water or to walk to Siberia. Oh my god. Oh no. She began 
studying books and maps at the New York Public Library. A, a, a stalwart foundational zone of socialism that's going to help Lillian get home. And she made a rough outline of her journey. Okay, and- so here's the thing. I was going to yeah. joke that it is Fievel Goes West, but then I was like, oh no, Europe's East. But now the only way that this is going to work is if you go West. So <laughs> it is Fievel Goes West. You go as far West as you can before it starts becoming East. Yeah, essentially. So I don't know about you guys, but I still put on the GPS sometimes if I have to go to a friend's yeah. house that I've already been to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, a few times. Like, I don't want a rough outline of anything, of any place that I am going yeah, to. Yeah, no. Because I am already traumatized by leaving my the house. The amount of times <laughs> that I've been like, I'm fairly confident I know how to get where I'm going. But a GPS would be nice. I yeah, go to like, work inc- every day. And you know how many days of the week I fucking use my GPS? All of them. Every single goddamn day, Zach. Every goddamn day. I know. Every day. This lady was really out here wilding, being like, I'm going to walk to Siberia and just like, I don't know, give me, I'm going to wing it. Just like, I'll draw a vague doodle (laughs) and- of like what I think America looks like. The entirety of North America, what that looks like. And I'll follow that line. I don't know. Don't give me, like, mileage okay. either. In all fairness, it's 1926. Ain't no fucking GPS. <laughs> yeah. You, you we barely have cars. GPS. Yeah, that's true. Barely have cars. So uh, she makes this rough outline. And the first part of her journey brings her to Buffalo, New York. Um, she then crossed into Canada at Niagara Falls on Christmas Eve of 1926. So she's like making her way. You know, she got through a whole state. Yeah. There you go. Uh, way to go. Yeah. She, way to go. Had a girl. And it's here at the border uh, when we get more information about Lillian. Where she the gets custom shot officer. because she doesn't have a passport. <laughs> no, it's 1926. Passports haven't been invented yet. Um, I, was, I don't know if I that's true. I was making true. a joke. <laughs> don't, don't at me. Anyways, tell us more about Lillian. Yeah, so the customs officer asks her the routine questions, and she's like, I'm a Catholic. I guess that's important when you go into Canada. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's like, I'm 30, and I was born in Poland. I'm going home. That shit just made me think of fucking John Mulaney's, like, I (laughs) am gay. (laughs) I have AIDS. And I'm oh, new, in new in town. <laughs> Except with this woman, it's like, I am Catholic. I am 30, and I'm going home to Poland. <laughs> I'm going home to Poland. And that customs officer is like, you're going the wrong way. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I do not get paid. I absolutely <laughs> love the idea of a customs officer being like, who am I to tell you directions, but Poland's that way. <laughs> <laughs> solidly the other way 
Um, so she was like, thank you very much for letting me into Canada. And in September of 1927, Lillian had reached Canada's western edge in British Columbia, having walked an average of 30 miles a day. Jesus Jeez. Christ. Yeah, dude. She was really trucking. Yeah, Fucking no kidding. Trucking. Getting Did she have so, moon them steps? Did she have moon <laughs> shoes on? I know. Dude, she's bouncing across. Um, a normal 19... 19- 1920 shoes, I assume. They didn't even have arch support. <laughs> 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 they were in those really ugly, like, oh wedge my God. heels. They're just, they're Oxfords as opposed to, like, some sweet-ass Skechers. Yeah, dude. They're, like, they're really uncomfortable and made of leather. Holy shit. So at this point... Um, in 1927, she's at the mouth of what is called the Yukon Telegraph Trail, a casual 1,000-mile path into Canada's far north. Wow. However, it wasn't long after she set out that she was stopped by the telegraph linemen. Um, so these were workers that had cabins every 30 miles along the trail to, like, fix the telegraph line if anything went wrong yeah. on it. Um, and so she was stopped by one of them who was like, Hey, uh, you look like you haven't eaten in a really long time. Um, I'm going to call the cops, (laughs) calling the police. And so when the constables arrived, they took one look at this lady and they said, absolutely not. It is ethically irresponsible to let you continue on this trail with winter bearing down on Canada. And they put her in prison near Vancouver. <laughs> I mean, um, that seems to make the most amount of sense, though. Yeah. Like, we'll let you survive winter in prison. And then we'll, and let, then you we'll go let you go. And, yeah, we'll let you go, like, at a reasonable time. So she she stayed there for two months. And then she spent the winter working in a restaurant in Vancouver to save up enough money to travel again by the spring of 1928. So I think, like, her time in prison, um, she was just like, oh, yeah, I, if I want to get home to Poland, <laughs> I, need, I need food. Um, she was like, Lillian, girl, you got to chill. Don't rush this. Lillian, you have been, work- you have been walking 30 miles a day. I can meander <laughs> my way the rest of the way through Canada. <laughs> It's a sightseeing yeah. trip now, starting yeah, with prison like... in Vancouver. <laughs> I assume it's lovely. I, I was going to say, it's Vancouver. No, it's, it's probably better than any American great. prison. Oh, a thousand percent. They probably have air conditioning. Probably. Like, and it. this was in 1928, so that's really impressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, so by this time... Her her story had traveled among the Canadian police force, and she received assistance at each of the cabins along the Telegraph Trail. Uh, at this point, why no one could just give her money to go to Poland on a <laughs> right? ship? Because, yeah, okay, just, but think of it this way. What? What? <laughs> what imagine, the imagine you've walked all the way from New York to the northernmost reaches of Canada, and then someone's like, oh, you need money for a plane to, to fucking <laughs> Poland? Here you go. I'll drive you to the airport myself. And then she's like, how bad do you feel at that point? I, but okay. here's the thing. You would still have to get on a boat because there were no oh, correct, correct, correct. Here's yeah. the other thing. I keep forgetting that this is 1920s. 
Why yeah, can't she's literally walking? You you have them like you have everyone who's like giving her assistance at these cabins every like what you said how what how many feet were they? It's like every thirty miles. Every so thirty about miles. Her daily walking distance. <laughs> but yeah, every day. Hear me out. Why don't you just have a 1920s GoFundMe and get this bitch to Poland? Yeah, exactly. Get this bitch. Put there, her picture here's on the, the other internet. Thing too. Here's the here's the other thing too. They they're literally on the 1920s version of the internet. They're on a telegraph line. Yeah. All they have to do is be like, "Hey, there's this bitch here. She wants to go to Poland. Can anyone scrape up three dollars? Yeah, right. To get her home. Wait, hold up. I have to look something up. Do 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 do. Dude. Western Union was founded in 1851. Fucking someone wire this bitch some money. <laughs> wire this bitch $3. Someone <laughs> telegraph her fucking $3 so she can get to poll. Yeah, guys, fucking so download Cash App. Give it to this woman. <laughs> Give her okay, the 3 bucks. The Telegraph was fucking No, I, I mean, I get 1920s it. 1920s Cash App. Fucking Venmo this woman I know, 3 dude. bucks. She was literally... On 1920s Venmo. She was right there. So, this was the question that I was asking. Um, But anyway, it was nice of them to help her in their own ways, I guess. So, she received, like, food, clothing, and a dog at one point. No, like, (laughs) nowhere. one other mouth to feed. She should have have sold the dog for the $3 she needed to get a trip on. For literally the $3. I don't know why they gave her a dog. It was really unclear. Um... By the fall of 1928, she had made it to Dawson City, mm-hmm. Yukon, which is on the border of Alaska. So, bitch has been traveling for, like, two years at this point. Yeah. yeah. So, she's she spends the winter working there, and she saves up more money to purchase and repair a whole-ass boat. <laughs> oh, my God. She See, that's what I'm saying is that, just... like, it's a point of pride now. It's not about yeah. It's not about it, yeah, buying it's... a boat ticket to Poland. It's about, like, I've already walked for two years. Like, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, she spent all these years. She could have just afforded. She could have just stayed in New York and afforded a ticket on a steamership. But whatever. Like, her plan with What's this dumb. broken ass boat was to sail the Yukon River into Alaska. And in the spring of 1929, she launched and then started up overland travel again, reaching Nome and then the Bering Strait. So the last sighting of, of Lillian was outside Teller, Alaska in 1929. Um, this is North America's westernmost point. At a minimum, she had walked 5,000 miles. Okay. It is possible that even with tensions between the Soviet Union and the U.S. at this point, that Lillian paid someone to take her across the strait where she started the even longer journey across Siberia and Russia to Poland. Like, even after all of that, right, she still had to walk all the way across Russia. (laughs) Why had to walk all the way across fucking Siberia, which is a wasteland? It's literally a wasteland unless unless she went down into China, right? Yeah, okay. Like, unless she went down into Mongolia and China. But then at that point, she has to walk all the way across Central Asia. 
Okay, but to get get fucked. And there's <laughs> a desert. There are literal deserts she has to get through. But anyway, that was the last time anyone ever saw her. Oh, and great. like that's where her story ends. So maybe she made it to Poland. I'd like to think Fievel, Fievel goes so far west, he goes east. <laughs> um, that's what the name of this story should have been. Oh, gosh. I'd like to think that she made it, but that is my story. I know it was a little long. Uh, I didn't realize we are going to make so many goofs off of it. So <laughs> we're going to... Uh, we're going to jump right into into yours, man. Yeah, we got to... So, please, go <laughs> okay, ahead. Okay, okay. I do want to say that your story reminded me that my school's valedictorian for my graduating year, he walked yeah. across um, America. Holy... Why? Stop, stop, stop. Why? stop and stop. To, to add, like, you know, fuel to the fire, he did it without speaking. Oh, I thought you were gonna say he did it without shoes. No, 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 no. He did it. He did it without speaking to anyone. He had Why? like he had like a Why? notepad uh, that he could like write to people, so that for what reason? I I I I can't get into it right now because I have to jump into my story. Oh, okay. Oh my God, that's an after. Yeah. Okay, next time, next time we record, that's an after dark. Okay. Yes. Uh, all right, friends. I'm gonna do one of my favorite things tonight. As the podcast dad, I am taking us back to the best of the world wars. World War I was a good war, but in my opinion, the sequel is where the series really kicks off. Um, what I love most about World War II is that there are so many main characters, and today I am going to tell you a story about a gentleman named Joseph Medicine Crow. I'm sorry, his middle name was Medicine? Yep. Wow, uh, Joe was born in 1913 on a crow reservation in Montana. Uh, for those of you that are um, ignorant, uh, crow is a tribe of Native Americans. Um, so get learned, bitches. Uh, Joe had rather large shoes to fill as his grandfather, uh, white man runs him, had served with General Custer before the Battle of uh, Little Bighorn, and his other grandfather uh, had been a war hero um, and a okay. chief. His uh, other grandfather, I believe, was Medicine Crow as well. Um, I don't know his first name. He was just Chief Medicine Crow in the stuff that I was looking up. Um, Joe was trained and brought up in the way of his ancestors, uh, which, uh, again, became very difficult because white people were terrible to Native Americans. Um, he was taught how to ride horses bareback. He was taught how to run, uh, how to hunt, sorry, um, how to survive in the wild winters of Montana. But he was basically taught all the traditions of his tribe. And as he's growing up and being surrounded by the stories of his ancestors, uh, Joe decides he's going to go to college with a major in history and anthropology. Wow. Okay. He really didn't want a job. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> didn't want a job. Um, he, <laughs> I say sit, sitting on my history degree yeah, over here. He ends, up, uh, he ends up earning his master's degree and decides to go back to school for his doctorate. And while he's in school for his doctorate, 
the sequel the sequel to World War One kicks off, and Joe feels a call to action. Okay. Joe being recognized, as we all do. huh? As we all do. At, we all do sometimes. Yeah. Not recently, but like, yeah. Um, so Joe being recognized as a gifted scout because of his Native American background. Uh, is recruited to the 103rd Infantry Division in France. Um, before every battle situation, he made a point to apply war paint underneath his clothes, and he kept a feather that he brought with him from home. Um, his war paint in the traditional crow fashion was two red lines. Um, that's pretty much all it mentioned, but... Because it was under his clothes, it obviously didn't cause any problems with the top brass. Um, so now I'm going to tell you a series of fun things that uh, Joseph Medicine Crow did whilst he was in battle. And these are the things that add up to him being especially special. Uh, while he was visiting a small town in France, Joe encountered a German man whose weapon he knocked from his hand with his own weapon, thus disarming the German man. Um, he then took this German man as a prisoner of war. Um, okay. Joe, this is a separate story now. Uh, was later given command of a small group of men who he had to lead through a minefield and enemy fire in order to resupply his allies, which he did successfully. Oh, damn. All right. So that's, that's, that's kind of fun. Um, and then much later in the war, Joe gets uh, relocated to Germany. So he was in France uh, to begin with. And then as, you know, the Allies start pushing the Germans back, uh, he gets sent to Germany. Um, and he ends up tracking a group of SS officers uh, back to a barn where they're staying. And because the SS are pretentious fucks, they were, of course, riding horses. Um, a plan is made to attack these SS officers, but before the attack is sprung, uh, Joe has a thought, and he asks his commanding officers if he might be able to lead the horses out so that none of the officers are able to flee on the animals. He's, he's okay. given permission to do this. He sneaks into the corral, and he fashions a makeshift bridle for one of the horses, and then he charges out of the barn with the other 50. Jeez, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, is is that all? And he gets himself clear of the barn. And once he gets himself clear of the barn, he starts singing a, um, a crow war chant, I guess. I, mm -hmm. my, my research didn't, um... I couldn't figure out whether it was a song or it was a chant or if it was like, but all all things say that he started singing essentially after he got clear, and then uh, his people started shelling the barn where the SS officers <laughs> were. Right. Um, Fuck yeah! So the reason that all these uh, stories are independently significant. Uh, is because in Great Plains Native American culture, one becomes a war chief by doing four things. 
First, you have to take a weapon from an enemy, which he did by knocking the gun from the German's hand. Second, you have to touch a living enemy, which he did by taking the same German man as a POW. Third, you must lead men in battle, which he did through a dang minefield, no less. And finally, you must steal a horse from your enemy, which I just described to you. So he didn't steal one; he stole he st- fifty. He of those stole fuckers. fifty, he did but he definitely rode one of them. Um, so, my esteemed colleagues, this was the story of Joe Medicine Crow, who was the last war chief of the Crow Nation. Damn. Yeah. Fuck I yeah. I wish you'd become a war chief now. Yeah. Well, even well, so, even when I was to, you know, compound on Zach's points from his story about how America has never really been great to um, Native Americans, uh, I was I was doing this whole, I was researching this story. And, um, you know, even in the research that I was doing, there was this whole thing that was like, yeah, Americans had made it all but impossible for a person to become a war chief because, you know, now people were living on reservations. There weren't the same. Yeah. Like, and. Yeah, I, well, I wonder, like, um, if, I mean, obviously it it didn't happen, but it would have been interesting if the tribes had come up with, like, different criteria, I guess. Like, the war chiefs were still a thing, but instead of, you know, like, having to fight an enemy, like, you did something else. This is where I get sticky on that, because... I know. Like, it's shitty that white people fucking decided that they had to go ruin things. Um, But, like, at the same time, it ha- I feel like it's a point of pride almost it's like it's like if you all of a sudden were like oh yeah no i'm gonna you're gonna steal a horse from me and you you can get away with you you know oh you did the thing you need to do like you can't fake that you can't half-ass that shit you can't all of a sudden be like we're gonna kind of do it in a little more of a ceremonial way just to say that we've done it no you gotta fucking do that you know so yeah which, which I guess, like, I mean, now we're getting into, like, what ifism. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If, you know, Native Americans had been left alone, would the practice of becoming a war chief remain as... Probably. You know, I feel like... Tribes it, it... became more interconnected. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, so, the so it I think... probably would have fallen by the wayside anyways because there would have been more like collaboration eventually. between, like, it would be seen less as an enemy and more as, like, we we yeah. probably would have gotten to a point where the last, you know, war chief was the last war chief simply because there was no need. The practice was maybe dying out. Yeah. Yeah. No right. Need. But, like, I think, and I feel like I'm not allowed to speak completely on this because um you know have no connection to the the crow culture here right um but i think yeah. that there is something different about changing a 
like practice because the need evolves mm-hmm. from like from growth. Yeah. Like, if it was all right, yeah, you no longer have to steal a horse because no one rides horses anymore. So that's what we'll come up with a new challenge. Now you gotta steal a car. Now, you well, not even like steal it's a car, just but like turned into Grand Theft Auto. But like, if there was a different challenge because that challenge is no longer part of the culture, mm-hmm. that's one thing. As opposed to, you can't do this anymore because we've obliterated your culture. Right. Yeah. No, and I definitely think that like had well so. This was in 1946, so like, and the rules obviously hadn't changed yeah. since, you know, his his youth, um, and the world had developed to a point where if those rules were going to change, they probably would have, would I guess. Have. But it's it's it is also difficult because they were forced into reservations, so it's like had native americans been given the freedom that they deserved would the culture like what would america look like today i guess i was gonna say i think there's a big difference though there where it's like i think survival takes precedent over culture at that point yeah and that's the problem Mm. Mm -hmm. so anyways he is the last war chief hell yeah and i thought that that story was pretty fucking nifty no i love that i, I mean I, I i was like waiting for that last little bit yeah like i was like mm, i know there's gonna be something that kind of connects these all together because it was like these little vignettes and I, I, I yeah at the end that's amazing that he got all four i thought know? about doing my uh my story about or like my intro is like today i learned like the four ways that you become a war chief, and, <laughs> but then I didn't. I didn't really want to give that away. What's interesting yeah. though is that he was made a war chief after he came home. So like he went okay. home, told his tribe, and then they were like, "Yeah, you're They're you're like, the last oh, war chief of the Crow good Nation." Job. Damn. And he died in um he died in 2016. No. Unfortunately. Oh, the legend. The legend. The yeah. legend. But I thought that was a fun way to you know. Bring yeah. up my favorite subject, which is World War Two. It certainly was a little it different than your usual. Yeah, I know, uh, right? It was, it was circuitous. One, yeah. one could say was... no. I didn't know because um, you were like, "I'm going to bury lead on this one." Yeah, well, I was, I was originally like... going to tell a different story, which I just didn't like. As soon as I started to research, yeah, you definitely didn't. As soon as I started to research my original topic, I was just like, I have zero interest in talking about this today. And then I was like, kind of putzing around my like funny things in history or my weird things in history story or like folder, and I was just like, oh hey, I could definitely tell a story about this. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. I actually I went back to my archives today to back to the archives. Well, like, occasionally uh, when I'm looking for stories, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. And, like, I'll pick out, like, a few different things and add them to a list and be like, well, I just don't have any interest in this, like, right now. Yeah. yeah. So I had I had put Lillian on there a while ago. It's and... like me going back and listening to the episodes where, for where I say, I can cover this on a new, uh, a different episode. Yeah. I can cover this later, and then later never comes because <laughs> there's always new stuff. Because I have a five-second attention span. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Same. But anyways, that was the end of my story. 
And so, dear listeners, as we come to the end of this beautiful podcast, I say unto you the following. What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at Triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore Triumvirate underscore productions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.